Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 6.37 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 2nd of April. Thank God we're past April Fool's Day. (laughs) What a mire. Anyway, 2021, this is episode 392 of Bitcoin. And yesterday I posted the, uh, or, or put up the episode with untapped growth. It's the best performing episode that I've ever had, by the way. Uh, it's a long, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a long one. And we get into, we get off into the weeds on all kinds of stuff. But again, if you haven't listened to that episode or, um, or, Heard the announcement of Untapped Growth's launch of his website, Untapped Growth, right? Okay. Uh, you need to go listen to that episode or at least go to the website and check out what Untapped Growth is doing. You can follow him on Twitter and uh, get to everything that you need to get to by <clears throat> following his account on Twitter at Untapped Growth. That's all one word. All right. Now, strike. Lightning strikes El Salvador. Entire country is affected. Peter Chwaga is going to tell us about it from BitcoinMagazine.com. Lightning Network Payments app strike is now available on the App Store and Google Play Store to customers based in El Salvador, according to a release shared with Bitcoin Magazine. And I quote, launching in El Salvador as our first non-U.S. market was a strategic move. No other fintech company can launch and operate in a market like this. This is only possible because Strike is built on Bitcoin, the world's first open monetary network. Our success in El Salvador is replicable to billions of people that don't have access to developed financial services, says founder Jack Mallers in a release. Strike launched its public beta in July of 2020 and began an initiative to onboard more international users in January. But this is the first time that the app is launched in a foreign country directly, giving users in El Salvador access to instant remittances to and from the United States and among their peers. Strike has been working with El Salvador's nonprofit Bitcoin Beach, a project to establish a Bitcoin circular economy in the country. The Lightning Network can be a powerful platform for remittances as it can transfer value nearly instantaneously with no middlemen and without the typical expense of on-chain Bitcoin transactions. Without a tool like Strike, those sending or receiving remittances in El Salvador incur significant fees from traditional providers like Western Union. Bitcoin can also be a new deflationary savings tool for building wealth in the country. Quote, past generations have lived the same life with no hope of improving our lives, says Roman Centeno, a Bitcoin Beach volunteer per the release. Quote, we've never had access to tools like Strike or the ability to build wealth here. Bitcoin allows us to save and build wealth with Strike. We are scanning the same QR codes here in El Salvador that everyone is scanning in Chicago and London, end quote. Strike has also released a closed beta to users in the EU and the UK, Canada, and the Philippines with the exception or expectation that it will soon go public in more parts of the globe. Yeah, once that shit releases in the EU, it's on, right? It is on. Jack Mallers kicking complete ass as usual, as usual, as, as Jack always does based in his woman's closet somewhere in Chicago or New York. I can't remember where he's living. <clears throat> if you haven't seen recent videos of Jack Mallers in the empty woman's closet, it's, it's, I don't know, man, it's, it's going to be a genre at this point. Now that doesn't end the lightning news because lightning strikes again, this time with Azteco. That's Azteco, A-Z-T-E-C-O. That's Beautyon's outfit. 
Now, I know Beautyon has this bad habit of blocking everybody, so you may not have heard it. I don't know why he's so itchy on that that trigger finger of his, but eh, I don't know. He's He hasn't blocked me yet. And I found out about this because he posted up a tweet yesterday with a Bitcoin lightning voucher, which I immediately went to uh, my wallet of Satoshi and uh, scanned the QR code only to find out that within 45 seconds, that son of a bitch had already been swept. But what I noticed was that it said Bitcoin lightning invoice, not Bitcoin invoice, Bitcoin lightning invoice. And Azteco until, you know, yesterday had only been doing Bitcoin main chain. And it's a, it's a, it's a way to get Bitcoin in a KYC free environment. And I'm, I'm not, maybe it's because beauty on blocks everybody. I don't know why, but I'm, my, I'm honestly surprised that Azteco isn't talked about a lot more uh, because it is KYC free. It's an easy way to get Bitcoin in a KYC free uh, manner. And yet I don't see very many people except Beauty on actually talking about it. But let's, let's see what's going on here with the lightning vouchers. This is also Peter Chihuahua writing for Bitcoin Magazine. Bitcoin voucher platform Azteco has announced the launch of Lightning Network vouchers, allowing users to redeem their Azteco vouchers over the second layer network for imp improved efficiency and reduced fees. <clears throat> Quote, you can now redeem your Azteco voucher over Lightning, wrote Azteco lead, lead Beautyon in an announcement post. Quote, depending on what the network conditions are, if you choose to have your Bitcoin on chain, you will be charged a network fee that can be anything from under a dollar to nine bucks or more. Or you can have your $100 in Bitcoin for a fee of zero and the recipient doesn't have to wait in order to send or spend what they've received. They can send it instantly to any other person who has a lightning powered wallet, end quote. Azteco allows users to buy to, to buy top-up vouchers at retail locations as anonymously as they choose, then provide a voucher number and Bitcoin address on its website to receive the corresponding amount of BTC. As a layer two network built on top of Bitcoin, the Lightning Network allows users to transaction Bitcoin back and forth in private channels and only settle the transactions and incur on-chain fees when these channels are finally closed. Beautyon added that there are 16 wallets where users can redeem Azteco Lightning vouchers, including Phoenix by Async, Blue Wallet, Breeze, and ZBD. And of course, I just told you Wallet of Satoshi. Quote, Bitcoin over Lightning means that anyone with a cheap Android phone can redeem an Azteco Lightning voucher for $1 without fees, Beautyon wrote. It means that billions of people can use Bitcoin in a private, instant way all over the globe with very small amounts of money. It means that anyone anywhere can store any amount of Bitcoin on their phones and transmit any amount of Bitcoin to anyone instantly. Yeah, that, Beautyon has this really great way of summing shit up, and that's the way... <laughs> That, that's what I expect from them. All right, so beauty on blocking everybody aside, this is really good. This is an interesting second, you know, this is like, we need competition in this space. So if it sounds like it's competition with Strike, it is. And, and in this particular case, it's better than Strike because it's KYC free. And I don't know how he's doing that, and I don't know how long it's going to last. I hope it lasts forever because God knows we need it with all the rest of the bullshit coming up. But, you know, Jack chose a regulatory path and that and that's fine. I like Jack Mallers. I like what he's doing. I like how he's bringing uh, Bitcoin and the Lightning Network mainstream. But to mainstream, you're going to have to, you're going to end up in the regulatory path. Beautyon has chosen a, a, a separate path, much like BISC Network or HODL HODL, that's KYC acquisition of Bitcoin. Beautyon's going the KYC, no, KYC free acquisition of Bitcoin. Beautyon is following in that path, and we need both of those paths. Right? We, we, we need to start that bifurcation where it's like compliance with the man and giving the finger to the man are both ways that you can get Bitcoin. All right, so this is this is good. Uh, I, I'm enjoying this. Much like I'm enjoying the news out of Morgan Stanley, who files for Bitcoin exposure in 12, count them, 12 funds. I saw somebody tweet out like the, the same story 
yesterday and said that it was only a handful of funds. Really? A handful? A handful means five, by the way. Why? You got five fingers on one hand. Okay, this is not a handful of funds. This is 12 of their of, of their top of the line funds are going to offer Bitcoin exposure. Let's read about it. This is out of Blockworks. Uh, who's oh uh, Tanea Michelle Michelle? I don't know. She's writing it April first, and no, it was not a joke. On Thursday, Morgan Stanley filed for Bitcoin exposure in several of its institutionally focused funds. Some funds will have indirect Bitcoin exposure through cash-settled futures or investments in the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, the privately offered investment vehicle that invests in Bitcoin. Sometimes a fund might have no exposure to Bitcoin. Each fund will be able to invest, get this shit, up to 25% of its assets in Bitcoin products. So So every single one of these 12 funds, each one of them separately is going to allow up to one quarter of the value of that fund in exposure to Bitcoin. That's, that's huge. That's not, that's not one to 5%. That's not five to 10%, guys. This is like a whole quarter of the value of these funds can get direct exposure to Bitcoin. So that's, that's pretty big, honestly, because among the 12 funds, it's CounterPoint Global, the $150 billion unit of Morgan Stanley Investment Management managed by Dennis Lynch was the first reported to be considering investing in Bitcoin in February. The $4 trillion asset Morgan Stanley has come out extremely extremely bullish on Bitcoin this year. Two weeks ago, it began offering three funds, two from Galaxy Digital and another joint effort between FS Investments and NYDIG to give its wealthy clients exposure to Bitcoin, becoming the first major bank to do so. It was also an investor in NYDIG's recent $200 million fundraise, and in January, it boosted its stake in MicroStrategy, which continues to buy Bitcoin, by about 650,000 shares as the share price broke $40,000 for the first time. Oh, sorry, not share price as the price of Bitcoin broke $40,000 for the first time. So Morgan Stanley is now balls deep into Bitcoin and they're never coming back out. And I'm not sure how you make this asset illegal in the United States at this point. Let's really think about that particular piece of FUD. You know, Peter Schiff coming out or and that idiot Ray Dalio. And yeah, he's an idiot, okay? Because he either... He's either being disingenuous when he says that the government will just make it illegal or he knows that they won't and he just doesn't want you to buy it so he can suppress the price so that he can buy it. And in that case, he's being, in fact, disingenuous and should be thrown over the side of the building. However, with that aside, him saying that the United States government is just going to make it illegal, do you think that Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley... Michael Saylor, Elon Musk wouldn't just have their lawyers up the U.S. government's ass for 10 straight fucking years if they were to pull this move at this time. Morgan Stanley has a fiduciary commitment to every single one of its customers, and they cannot make a decision that gets rescinded by the United States government because they get their panties in a wad, right? They will fight. Now, I get the fact that they are the institutional legacy bullshit system that we're trying to get away from. Again, I remind you, Bitcoin is for enemies. Morgan Stanley is the enemy. And you can't do anything about them buying Bitcoin or getting into Bitcoin. And I'm not saying that you got to love it. You don't have to love it. I'm not exactly all entrenched, you know, or enticed by this this news, except that it's going to be good for Bitcoin. That's the problem. The fact that Bitcoin is for enemies is good for Bitcoin. The fact that Bitcoin is for good people is good for Bitcoin. The fact that the United States government has literally just been put back in their seat as to whether or not they're going to be able to make it illegal is good for Bitcoin. The fact that it came out of Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs and the rest of these guys, I don't necessarily care. Although you really should watch what these guys are going to do because enemies of, you know, if Bitcoin is for enemies, that also means that it's, that Bitcoin is for enemies of Bitcoin, right? We, we don't know what this is going to do. 
there's no there's no way to know what this is going to do but you got to be careful out there so the advice this is investment advice you buy bitcoin and you hold bitcoin it's the simplest investment strategy that the world has ever seen and you really don't have to worry about it as long as you've got a gut that can digest broken glass and rocks you will be just fine however if you're a weak-handed fool you're going to get torn to shreds in this market okay so be careful out there guys now spain may soon regulate risky bitcoin street ads <laughs> oh my god the advertisements they're coming they're coming oh no andrew asbakov tells us more from decrypt spain's national securities market commission wants to introduce stricter regulatory rules for outdoor advertisement promoting cryptocurrencies rodrigo buenaventura the organization's president said during a recent conference according to buenaventura sorry buenaventura the financial watchdog considers such ads, quote, risky and wants to consult its advisory committee as well as launching a broad public consultation on the matter. Based on the outcome of the consultation, the CNMV plans to suggest stricter rules for crypto-related street advertising and submit the proposal to Spain's Council of State, the Supreme Consultative Jesus, this language, the supreme consultative body advising the country's governments on legislative initiatives. Quote, it is necessary to emphasize that what is controlled by the CNMV are not the assets or the providers of the operations, but only the advertising when they are offered as an investment alternative, said Buenaventura. He added that the agency has to ensure that the proposed ruling doesn't harm legitimate businesses. Quote, it's important to act fast, but it is more important to get regulations right, he added. Buenaventura's statements come in the wake of large-scale advertising campaign launched by local cryptocurrency exchange and wallet provider Bit2Me in February. The company placed some 800 posters across Madrid's main streets and marquee areas with slogans reading, The revolution has just begun. Welcome to Bitcoin. Oh, this is great, man. The start of the campaign coincided with a joint statement by the CNMV and the Bank of Spain on cryptocurrency investment risks. According to the statement, cryptocurrencies and the supporting technology may galvanize and modernize the financial system, but they pose risks due to their, quote, extreme volatility, complexity, and lack of transparency. <laughs> <laughs> the central bank also argued that given their high volatility, cryptocurrencies do not properly fulfill the unit of account and store value functions. There you go. Thanks for the FUD there, pal. The publication of the statement followed <clears throat> an announcement by the Spanish government in October of last year in which it said it was working on a bill that would force owners of cryptocurrencies to disclose their holdings ah, as well as any gains made via digital assets. All right, look, if you want to be a spineless dweeb, then go ahead and tell them about your cryptocurrency holdings. Otherwise, wash that shit in a coin join, throw it on another wallet and forget that you even own it for the next 25 years because when you do remember that you own it, you're going to be rich as shit and going to be able to run for office and kick these sons of bitches out on the street where they deserve to be. I'm, say, I'm just saying, man, do not disclose your, your cryptocurrency holdings if you do not have to. Just don't do it. And what I mean by have to, I mean like they just come find you and throw you in a cell. And if you want to remain there, you don't tell them. Or if you want to get out, you do tell them. But if you tell them, you are hosed, right? You lost your keys in a boating accident. Yeah, of course, that's not going to fly in the face of a magistrate judge, but they can't, they can't get it. They can't take your Bitcoin away. They can put you in jail, I suppose. Although that was, that is just going to be a mess. Because if they just start mass incarcerating people, the look is not going to be good. And governments around the world, their, their look is already not good. See Brussels. Yes, yeah, see Brussels, Belgium, yesterday, where they just shook down like thousands, thousands of people that were trying to enjoy themselves in a park. And they ran cops on horses through the crowd. Do you know what it's, do you know how dangerous that is? 
to run a, a what, a 1700, anywhere between a 1200 and 1700 pound animal, depending on the breed, through a crowd of people that are on foot. And not just one horse, we're talking like 10, at least in the scene that I saw. And, and when that shit didn't work, they sent a fucking water cannon truck right after them. These people are just chilling out in Brussels on a beautiful spring day in the park. I am not sure how much further the human condition is going to allow itself to take this kind of treatment. I, I think an open rebellion that's probably going to be violent is going to spark in several different countries pretty much around the same time. And when that shit does go off, the, the people that didn't revolt in their countries, you're going to have other countries follow suit. It is not going to be pretty. But the point is, is that the government, governments around the world at this point have acted in such a way that they've lost almost all trust. And the only way that they can keep people in line is through basically torture, terrorism, lying to you, or running you over with a fucking horse. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, this is just the way that I see it. <clears throat> I'm not calling for it. Although part of me really does want to just flat out say, go openly rebel, but I'll probably get canceled or something like that. But it's just, it's coming. So this whole notion of them just going ahead and just unleashing like the rest of the hell that they have in their back pockets on just Bitcoiners and people that hold cryptocurrency by forcing them to disclose, dude, you don't say anything. You just don't. Because chances are good if they put you in, if they put you in jail, in 24 hours, you never know. An open rebellion may let you right the hell back out. <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, for all of you guys, if any of you guys are in Madrid, uh, Spain, start putting up Bitcoin stickers everywhere. Like Bitcoin street art will uh, tweet out pictures on a daily basis of some other location in the world that has, you know, a scene. But somewhere in that scene is a Bitcoin sticker up on a poster, on a railing, on a park bench or something like that. Do that. Buy your stickers via Lightning. I think Crypto Cloaks has some. You can get them from uh, Rodolfo Novak from CoinKite. You can get them from Blockstream, and you can pay all these people with Lightning. I well, except for Novak, he's for some reason he's dragging his feet on Lightning. But in either event, get your stickers, get them delivered to you, and go put them up. Because whether or not this silly this silly bullshit of regulating advertising in the street goes down or not, you have the power to advertise for Bitcoin because everybody works for the Bitcoin marketing department. There's never been anything like this on the face of the planet because it's not just an open, a free open source solution to wealth, wealth management and savings. It's also the largest company with the largest amount of unpaid employees that are willing to put it all on the line. Why? Because this shit's important. That's why. So is Bitcoin mining revenues, which hit a record $1.5 billion in March. This is Jeff Benson from Decrypt. Bitcoin miners claimed over $1.5 billion in Bitcoin block rewards and fees last month, according to a recent report from blockchain analytics company Arcane Research. Though mining revenue decreased toward the tail end of the month as trading volume settled down, the monthly tally still constitutes a record. The final figure is roughly in line with projections from mid-March when blockchain data firm Glassnode reported that miners were taking home $52.3 million per day. Revenue reached a record $64.7 million in March uh, of, oh, sorry, on March the 14th, the day after Bitcoin's price peaked to its all-time high near 6,100 or $61,680. Mining is how transactions, yes, we know how mining works. Currently, miners receive a block reward of 6.25 BTC with a new block mined every 10 minutes or so. What might be startling is that the block reward used to be higher. <gasps> no, say it isn't so. From July 9th, 2016 until May the 11th, 2020, miners earned 12.5 BTC for every block mined. For the four years before that, it was 25. And for nearly the first four years of Bitcoin's existence, the block rewards were 50 BTC. Oh man, could you imagine? Which is all to say that Bitcoin mining revenue is going up despite block rewards going down. The shrinking supply has driven the price up. 
Indeed, price is the primary reason for the revenue increase. Transaction fees play a much smaller role. Average fees declined in March as the number of transactions decreased according to statistics from blockchain.com. Of course, revenue is not the same thing as profit. But mining profitability has consistently risen since October of 2020, according to stats from BitInfo charts. In March, it hit its highest level since July 2019. So here's, here's, my, here's my take on this Bitcoin mining deal. There was never, ever, ever until this year a time in my life that I would have considered Bitcoin mining. Okay, I, I'm a full node operator and this, this I do not mind. In fact, I, I highly encourage encourage everybody to be a Bitcoin full node operator. But mining just seemed like something, ah, okay, well, you can't do it on a CPU. And by the time I got in, it was already to the ASICs level. Okay, so I, I completely miss CPU mining. I completely miss GPU mining. And when I was birthed into the Bitcoin ecosystem, it was, it, ASICs had already took, took, you know, taken over. And at the time, you know, it just didn't seem profitable. Well, guess what? Hell, now even I'm thinking about mining. All right. I've never, I would have, I mean, I never would have thought about it before. But at this point, I honestly think that when the subsidy goes away, the fees are going to still be profitable to, to mine. Just the fees by itself will still be profitable to mine Bitcoin, which is what we want. <clears throat> Fees will be high for on-chain transactions, which is why Bitcoin is the final settlement layer. It is not to pay for your coffee. Use the Lightning Network for that. You know, keep, your, <clears throat> keep a channel open for ever and ever and ever. And when you finally have to take money out of it because you build up too much supply-side liquidity on your side, you loop out and then it'll get batched with a whole bunch of other Lightning transactions because that's here and it's going to become more prevalent depending on who is actually doing doing the batching? If you like, want to batch it out through something like, uh, oh, I don't know, like L, like LN Strike, <clears throat> they will definitely be doing batching, and then you all get to share in a single Bitcoin transaction fee, and at that point, it's manageable. But there's a lot of settlement <clears throat> in the billions, hundred hundreds of billions of dollars level that nobody is going to mine you know, mind paying a hundred bucks on a transaction fee for. If you were to ship that amount of gold to the other side of the planet, you have any idea how much that costs when you add fuel, security, insurance, like, and pay all the people that are going to physically move the gold? You have any idea? I don't have any idea, but I'll bet you it's in the multiples of tens of thousands of dollars, if not a few hundred thousand dollars. They don't seem to mind that settlement fee, but people complain about a $10 settlement fee on something that you can, you know, commit at light speed to anywhere on the planet, to a mobile device. I, I honestly don't understand the bitching and wailing about the, the fees at this point. I think it's a stupid issue, but we have other fish to fry. This one, uh, this one coming out of, uh, former SEC chairman Jay Clayton says, Bitcoin's still not a security, but regulation is coming. You got to be prepared for this shit. If Bitcoin is for enemies, then enemies will get Bitcoin. I just, just saying, Bitcoin is not a security, but that doesn't mean that it won't be regulated, said Jay Clayton. Clayton, who now advises One River Asset Management on cryptocurrency, told CNBC that Bitcoin was not a security long before he joined the SEC, but regulation of the asset will still inevitably come. Quote, Bitcoin not being a security does not mean that it should not be regulated, end quote. Quote, in fact, where digital assets land at the end of the day, which is very much a wide-ranging question, will be driven in part by regulation, and I expect... And I'm speaking as a citizen now that regulation will come in this area both directly and indirectly, whether it's through how these things are held by banks, security accounts, taxation, and the like, end quote. Clayton's comments come as Ripple, the company behind XRP, previously the third most capitalized cryptocurrency in the market, asked the SEC to re-examine Bitcoin and Ethereum specifically. Ripple wants, to, wants a court to compel the SEC to share its internal discussions about Bitcoin and Ethereum in the hopes that it will improve its own case for XRP. Ripple is facing a billion-dollar lawsuit from the SEC, which filed its complaint just before Clayton stepped down as chairman. 
The commission alleges that the company illegally raised $1.3 billion through the unregistered sale of XRP, which the SEC was a type of security known as an investment contract. But Ripple says XRP is not a security, but rather a cryptocurrency. The company is in the process of fighting the lawsuit. As part of its defense, Ripple asserts that the SEC should class XRP as a virtual currency, just like it class, uh, classes Bitcoin and Ethereum virtual currencies and not securities. The lawsuit has so far proven to be detrimental for the firm and for XRP. Top crypto exchanges like Coinbase, Binance, and Kraken have halted all XRP trading. The price of the currency also dipped, and it fell down the list of the top cryptocurrencies by market cap, dropping from third to seventh in a matter of months. And that's not low enough for me. This, this thing is a disaster. I mean, XRP is just a disaster. And I don't give a shit if it gets regulated to the point of death. I really don't. Hey, let's run the numbers. My God, even shiny metal rocks are doing well this morning. Let's start with oil, which is up three and a half points, guys. Holy shit. West Texas Intermediate coming in at $61.24. Brent North Sea coming in at $65. It's up three points as well. Natural gas up 0.69. And here we have the shiny metal rocks. Peter Schiff must be in heaven right now because his beloved shiny metal rock is at $1,730. It's up 0.85. Silver blowing the doors off at up being up two points. Platinum is up two points. Copper is up a half a point. Palladium is up almost two points at 1.87. Now, let's see, live live cattle. I don't know. It's unchanged. I guess nobody cares about the cows anymore. Dow futures are up scant, 0.19. S&P, same, 0.31. NASDAQ futures up 0.3. And the S&P mini is up 0.25. So commodities ripping indices moving sideways. So what does that mean for the bond yields? Well, three out of the five have pushed to the low side this morning, but all are, I mean, we're talking about like, you know, like the 10 year futures contract or the 10 years future, uh, sorry, 10 year treasury is down 0.04. And it's like that everywhere. I mean, it's like 0.04 for the five year 0.02 0.02 to the downside for the two year and the like. So there you go. There's <clears throat> there's your legacy bullshit. Now real money, $59,551 is what I'm showing as a probably a low price for Bitcoin. Indeed. No, is it at no, it looks like my uh Coinbase Pro has the high at $59,576. So there's like almost no arbitrage room here. Almost none whatsoever. 313,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. That's 13,000 transactions on average every hour on the hour. With 547,000 BTC being sent in that 24-hour period, that is 22,800 BTC being sent every hour on the hour with an average transaction value of 1.7 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.017 BTC or about $1,000. Block times are right where they need to be. 10 minutes and 8 seconds with 0.65 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 91.21 BTC being taken in fees in the overall period of 24 hours. We've had a a 1% drop in hash rate. That brings us down to 166.89 exahashes per second. Your shitcoin indicator is Dogecoin. It's at 6 cents. Why? Because Elon Musk did his Dogecoin bullshit again on Twitter yesterday. That's why. Anyway, that's what your shit coins are doing. They're actually up. I don't know when people are going to learn. We have 41,500 transactions waiting to onboard 88 blocks to clear. So now, well, actually, it's getting to the point where this is just normal. This is... In, in like times past, this is definitely where you don't do your transactions, but... Hey, guys, we're here. I don't think this mempool is ever going to clear. I, I just, I, I don't see a time where we get down to like one or two blocks just waiting to, to clear ever again. Anyway, we have $1.11 trillion of market capitalization, which is 9.86% of gold's market capitalization. 
and one Bitcoin will get you 34.2 ounces of gold. There are, in fact, 18,671,436.3 BTC in circulation at a price of $59,360 as per bitcoin.clarkmoody.com forward slash dashboard says. We have 1,166.68 BTC in the Lightning Network. That's $69.3 million of valued capacity running over 10,274 nodes which in turn have 41,214 channels. We are holding at 56% of Tor capacity for the Lightning Network, and that is 652.79 BTC, run over 4,424 Tor Lightning nodes that we know of, and that's it for Vitals. This is part two of the morning roundup. We'll start this one with the IRS. <clears throat> it is tax season. The IRS is authorized to access information on Circle's crypto traders to nab tax cheats, says Samuel Haig from Cointelegraph. The Internal Revenue Service will seek information on uh, well, information from Circle on all U.S. taxpayers who traded at least $20,000 worth of cryptocurrencies between 2016 and 2020. <clears throat> A U.S. federal court has granted that authorization to the Internal Revenue Service to serve a John Doe summons to fintech firm Circle seeking all information on those said taxpayers. The summons will apply to Circle Internet Financial Incorporated, including all predecessors, subsidiaries, divisions, and affiliates, including Poloniex LLC. According to the Department of Justice's announcement, Judge Richard Stearns concluded that there is reasonable basis <clears throat> for believing that cryptocurrency users may have failed to comply with federal tax laws. The document also notes that the IRS does not allege that Circle has engaged in, in any wrongdoing in connection, connection with its digital currency exchange business, adding, quote, the summons seeks information related to the IRS's investigation of an ascertainable group or class of persons that the IRS has a reasonable basis to believe may have failed to comply with any provision of any internal revenue laws, end quote. A Circle representative told Law 360, quote, we're reviewing the summons and, of course, expect to work collaboratively with the IRS in responding to the court order. Attorney General David Hubbard of the Department of Justice's tax division said those who transact with cryptocurrency must meet their tax obligations like any other taxpayer. The Department of Justice will continue to work with the IRS to ensure that cryptocurrency owners are paying their fair share of taxes. Fucking thieves. Circle was founded in October 2013 by Jeremy Allaire and what Sean Neville uh, or Navile, I can't pronounce it correctly, with the company launching a Bitcoin wallet the following year that later became its crypto payments application, Circle Pay. In 2018, Circle launched USD Coin in partnership with Coinbase, which is now the second largest stable coin by market cap. Circle purchased the popular digital asset exchange Poloniex in 2018, but announced Poloniex would spin out into a new company backed by an investment group with ties to Tron's Justice Sun the following year. So, yeah, they're, you know, they're, oh, IRS is going to do what the IRS does, you know. So be careful out there and understand, as always, because I don't think many people really do understand this following statement. As a United States citizen, you have been weaponized as a financial terrorist weapon to every other country on the face of the planet. But as you were treated at home, yeah, you're you're just a scumbag, you know, cow that needs to be milked every single year. Coinbase going public on April the 14th. They will also announce Q1 earnings right before they do. <laughs> John Roberts, Jeff John Roberts is writing this for Decrypt. Cryptocurrency giant Coinbase announced on Thursday that its highly anticipated direct listing will happen on April the 14th. The company also disclosed it will share its Q1 financial results eight days beforehand on April the 6th. So that's like, what, next Tuesday or Wednesday? The plan is unusual <clears throat> and significant because the results will arrive just days before the company offers its shares to the public and will thus add new guidance for investors looking to determine how much Coinbase shares should actually be worth. <clears throat> 
The announcement comes weeks after Coinbase published its 2020 financial results as part of its mandatory S1 regulatory filing ahead of going public. Those results showed that the company earned a profit of $322 million in 2020 on revenues of more than $1.2 billion, a major jump over 2019 when Coinbase lost $30 million on revenues of $512, or sorry, $522 million. The impending earnings announcement will mark the first time Coinbase has publicly disclosed results for a particular quarter. Given the massive crypto bull run that has been underway since December, it's likely that the company's Q1 will be the best quarter to date for the company, which earns the vast majority of its revenue from trading commissions. <clears throat> the Q1 earnings are also likely to lead analysts and would-be investors to reappraise the value of the company's stock. In late February, some private share transactions valued Coinbase as high as $104 billion, a figure that some analysts claim was much too high. More recently, Coinbase disclosed that the average price of its shares sold in private transactions between January 1 and March 15 was $334.58, a figure that translates into an overall valuation of $68 billion. If Coinbase reveals massive Q1 results, and they probably will, that valuation is likely to rise in the company listings its share, <coughs> sorry, the company will end up listing its shares much higher than $343. <clears throat> Coinbase's arrival on the public markets will be a key milestone for crypto as a whole and also provide insight into how Wall Street reacts to an industry that has unique cycles and volatility. It's unclear, for instance, how public markets might react to the arrival of another so-called crypto winter like the one in February of 2018 when the price of Bitcoin fell by 65% and other cryptocurrencies, well, who gives a shit? Coinbase's decision to go public also coincides with an unusually frothy period in the broader public markets. In the last six months, numerous companies have seen their shares soar over 100% on the first day of trading, while there has also been a stampede to invest in SPACs, special purpose acquisition companies, which are blank check public funds whose sole purpose is to acquire another company. All of this has led the overall stock market to hit record highs, though public offerings in the last week suggest the recent momentum is losing steam. In the case of Coinbase, the company is not pursuing a conventional initial public offering, which entails working with Wall Street banks to line up deep-pocketed investors who get the first crack at buying new shares, typically for a significant discount. Instead, by using a direct listing, Coinbase will not be issuing new shares but providing a vehicle for employees and early investors to sell their shares at a price determined by the market. Oh, God. Last month, Coinbase took another unusual step en route to becoming a public company by hosting a Reddit Ask Me Anything forum featuring the company's CEO, Brian Armstrong. The AMA amounted to the social media equivalent of a roadshow, a traditional ritual where pre-IPO companies pitch their stocks to rich investors. It involved Armstrong answering questions from Reddit users on topic ranging from customer service, of which they have not really any of, to the novelty cryptocurrency Dogecoin. Coinbase's decision to announce earnings results right before its public listing is also highly unusual, in part because companies on the cusp of going public are subject to an SEC-enforced quiet period that strictly restricts the scope of their public communications. In this case, the earnings release appears to qualify for a quiet period exemption that permits companies to release non-forward-looking information that arises in the ordinary course of business. So they're going to drop massive Q1 numbers because I, I guarantee they're going to be massive. Those, those Q1 results are going to blow people's faces off. And they're going to do it, you know, six days or whatever before they actually list the company. Honestly, <laughs> that's just, it's just, it's just wrong in my opinion. But hey, what, you know, I'm not going to be able to do shit about it. And I'm also probably not going to be able to buy any shares of Coinbase. I wouldn't anyway, but my, you know, this is my problem with, oh yeah, everybody gets excited about an IPO. <clears throat> yeah, most of the time. 95% of the time, if you are not a billionaire accredited investor, you ain't getting dick. You ain't getting a single share. You cannot, you cannot participate. Your participation is not wanted. And I guarantee you it's going to be the same way here. I, I mean, I, this just sounds like 
honestly, it just sounds like the same kind of insider club that we've always been dealing with, that we have a chance to break away from. But because Bitcoin is for enemies, you get people like Brian Armstrong. You just have to deal with it. And this FinCEN rule would expose all your Bitcoin transactions, says the EE, or sorry, the <clears throat> EFF. Scott Cipollina says more from Decrypt. Proposed FinCEN rule changes that would require crypto companies to collect KYC information on customers' cryptocurrency wallets could result in users' entire Bitcoin transaction histories being exposed, according to digital privacy nonprofit, the Electronics Frontier Foundation. Quote, if you know the name associated with the particular Bitcoin address, you can glean information about all their Bitcoin transactions that use that address, not just their transactions over a certain dollar amount. Marta Belcher, special counsel to the EFF, told Decrypt. In December of last year, the U.S. Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, or FinCEN, proposed a regulation that would require crypto companies to collect the personal information of customers using self-hosted wallets. The rule would require the relevant crypto firms to gather personal data on transactions that exceed $3,000. If a transaction exceeds $10,000, it would have to be reported to FinCEN. According to FinCEN, the regulation is designed to combat the threat of illicit finance. <laughs> Look who's saying that. But because the Bitcoin blockchain is public, once one transaction is linked to a user's identity, it can potentially expose every transaction that they've previously made or will make in the future. <clears throat> Quote, in my view, one of the most important things about cryptocurrency is that it imports the civil liberties benefits of cash into the digital sphere by allowing for anonymous transactions. In uh, quote, ever since the rule was first proposed in December of 2020, civil liberties groups and cryptocurrency businesses have criticized FinCEN for, at best, regulatory overreach and, at worst, overstepping the bounds of the United States Constitution. Quote, the Fourth Amendment requires the government to get a warrant before conducting a search or seizure. Belcher, who provided initial commentary to decrypt when FinCEN first proposed the rule, said, quote, I don't understand why we accept as normal that financial institutions turn over sensitive, uh, sensitive financial data to governments without a warrant. Our financial transactions provide an intimate window into our lives, and law enforcement should be required to get a warrant to obtain this data, end quote. Further, I do believe that FinCEN's proposed regulations violate the Fourth Amendment, and I also believe that the Bank Secrecy Act, as it applies to financial surveillance in the traditional banking system, is unconstitutional, she said. Damn, a little pit bull right there. Other groups, like the New Civil Liberties Alliance, have criticized FinCEN for proposing to infringe on the privacy rights of cryptocurrency holders. What's more, some of the biggest crypto companies in the world, including Coinbase and Square, have filed public comments in opposition to the FinCEN proposal. But what about the other side of the argument? Is this regulation necessary? And if it comes into force, might it actually help the cryptocurrency industry grow? I don't give a shit. It's unconstitutional. FinCEN believes the proposal is necessary to combat illicit finance. Quote, FinCEN assesses that there are significant national security imperatives that necessitate an efficient process for proposal and implementation of this rule, the regulatory authority said. The regulator added that the U.S. authorities have found malign actors to be using convertible virtual currencies to facilitate international terrorist financing, weapons proliferation, oh, for fuck's sake. Sanctions, evasion, money laundering, as well as trading controlled substances, fraudulent IDs, counterfeit goods, malware, and weapons. Yeah, that falls under weapons pr proliferation, dude. Based on recent studies, such as December 2020 chain analysis study, found dark net markets revenues were at an unprecedented high. FinCEN's view is well-founded. Oh, cryptocurrencies are reportedly being increasingly used to finance white supremacy and neo-Nazi groups. <laughs> Earlier this year, a French donor paid more than 500 grand in Bitcoin to far-right activists and internet personalities per Wired. Stephen Stanis Staniski, or whatever, executive director of U.S.-based terrorism threat monitor Middle East Media Research Institute, or MEMRI, said that these groups are following in the footsteps of the jihadis. Jihadist groups like... Hey, what? Hey, at Tahir Al Sham have reportedly returned to cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, to finance their operations in the past. But it's not just international security risks that justify FinCEN's proposal for some. For others, it's about affording legitimacy to a cryptocurrency market, hoping to break into mainstream finance. 
I thought we were supposed to break up mainstream finance. Raul Paul, a former hedge fund manager who has described Bitcoin as the best reserve asset, as, asset ever, believes regulation is key to the institutional adoption of cryptocurrency. Quote, I'm going to explain this again. You might hate regulation of BTC. You might have a massive philosophical aversion to it, and that's fine. But they are going to regulate the fiat on-ramps and off-ramps, and it will make you rich, as institutions now will be able to adopt it, he tweeted in November of 2020. Yeah, and we all gave him shit for that tweet, too. Ralph Paul's a scumbag, by the way. Just saying. Um this is the say this is what happens when you get people like Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs and the rest of the enemies or used what used to be the enemies of Bitcoin and may still be. We don't know yet. We don't know what they're going to do once they get a hold of the assets. But yeah, regulation is coming. So what does that mean for us? We need to find shit like Hodl Hodl and Bis Network and uh, and learn how to use them. Azteco, learn how to use it. Okay? I love Jack Mallers, but Jack is on the regulatory leg of the trousers of Bitcoin. Okay, trousers have two legs. We are we are in the process of bifurcating. There is always going to be a component, and I hope it gets larger, of people that just want to give the government the finger. Right? And that's going to be the people that help BISC network. That's B-I-S-Q network, right? They used to be called something else, and I can't remember, BitSquare, I think. Um, and, and, and then you'll have like uh, places like HODL HODL and decentralized, the decentralized nature of Bitcoin lends itself everywhere. It's decentralized on ramps that we need. If you want to buy your KYC Bitcoin, sure, go ahead. That's fine. You know, there's going to be a lot of people who just don't give a shit, but there's going to be a lot of people who do give a shit. And those people are going to find HODL HODL and BIS Network and Azteco, A-Z-T-E-C-O, you're going to find them and you're going to start using them. All right? I'm, I'm telling you, you need, you need to look into BISC Network, HODL HODL, and Azteco. You need to do it sooner rather than later. Digital asset manager behind Canada's first BTC fund hopes to launch a Bitcoin ETF. Dude, this would be number four in Canada. How many does the United States have? Oh, that's right. We don't. And yeah, uh, Zlock kind of tagged me on Twitter this morning and said, why is it important? It's not. I mean, it's not. It's just, it's kind of embarrassing. Where Brazil gets one, Canada's going to end up with four, and the United States is still sucking swamp water on the eight proposals that are sitting on the SEC's desk. It's embarrassing, dude. That's why it's kind of important. Turner Wright tells us more from Cointelegraph. Investment fund manager 3IQ has partnered with CoinShares to launch a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund in Canada. According to an announcement from 3IQ, the firm has filed a final prospectus for a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund with the securities regulatory authorities in each of the 10 provinces and three territories of Canada. Pending regulatory approval, trading for the ETF is expected to begin in early April. That's this month on the Toronto Stock Exchange. CoinShare CEO Jean-Marie Magnetti said that it was a joint effort and, and aimed at making digital assets more accessible to investors of all types. The fund's units will likely trade in U.S. dollars under the ticker BTCQ.U and Canadian dollars under the ticker, uh, ticker BTCQ. Canadian investment firms have largely taken the lead on launching crypto ETFs in North America, given that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's seeming reticence on approving a fund. Toronto-based Purpose Investments launched a Bitcoin ETF in February, and Nine Point Partners is reportedly planning to change its Bitcoin trust offering to an ETF as well. Evolve Funds Group also announced in March that it had filed a prospectus with, with Canadian regulators for approval to begin trading an Ethereum ETF. Oh God, 3IQ was behind the launch of Canada's first Bitcoin fund in April of 2020. The fund has since reached more than $1 billion with CoinShares and 3IQ having a combined $7 billion in assets under management. We have followed 3IQ's incredible growth closely since they received a landmark decision in Canada to allow Bitcoin vehicles, said Magneti. So Canada's going to end up with four Bitcoin ETFs most likely because they 
they approved all three like within months of each other. And I don't see this shit stopping anytime soon. Um, oh, Coinbase signs a sponsorship deal with CSGO esports tournament organizer. And I don't, I, 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 I have yet to see if there's any connection with the Lightning Network CSGO guys. Um, oh, shit. Uh, I'm completely losing a blank. There's Thunder Games, and then there's, oh, shit. Um, Mint Gox. And that, that group of people, I don't know if they're connected here. Well, let, let's find out. Tanzeel Akhtar is writing this one for NASDAQ.com. Nice. Good job getting over to NASDAQ. Uh, cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase has signed a sponsorship deal with Counter-Strike Global Offensive Esports Tournament Organizer Blast Premier. I haven't heard of these guys. That's why I don't know who's connected. Headquartered in Denmark, Blast Premier's CSGO Professional Esports League launched in 2020. It is primarily based in two regions, North America and Europe. The series is split up into two seasons, the spring and fall seasons. In an announcement, Blast Premier said that the partnership means that Coinbase branding will feature across the spring showdown from April 13th through the 18th and the finals from June 15th through the 20th. Last year, Blast Premier was live-streamed around the world in 105 territories to over 151 million households, according to the eSports Media Network. Coinbase's sponsorship of the CSGO event is yet another sign of the recently increasing integration of the cryptocurrency industry into the mainstream sport and now esports worlds alike. In March, Crypto.com secured a partnership with the National Hockey League's Montreal Canadiens to have its logo brandished on the ice in its home arena, the Bell Center. Earlier this week, crypto exchange FTX secured the naming rights to the arena that houses the Miami Heat, the city's professional basketball team. Quote, esports and cryptocurrencies, or esports and cryptocurrency both share a strong relationship with technology and innovation. Blast Premier is enjoyed on a global scale with an audience that is known to be tech savvy, said Oliver Clark, head of brand partnerships for Blast. Okay, so the, the guys over at Mint Gox and the, and the company that's doing the uh, CSGO with Lightning integration, the Infuse uh, stuff, they they need to get in on this. And it's, you know, maybe, I don't know, just call Brian Armstrong. He's going to be even richer than he is, you know, here in a few days after they list Coinbase. But there you go. I mean, esports is something to be, be very mindful of as we move this industry forward. I mean, it makes more money than movies. Okay. I'm just, I'm just saying it's nothing to sneeze at. We're talking about billions of dollars, annual gross, right? Don't like mil, hundreds of millions of people are involved in one way or another with esports. Most of them clearly just watching, but still it's hundreds of millions of dollars. It's ripe for marketing, advertising, and the like. And that's where probably the only, you know, the only hope for any kind of alt season is going to occur is these assholes buying, you know, advertising on, on stuff like esports, which goes back to the whole thing about, let's uh, remember what one of the earlier stories were, where Spain really wants to curtail Bitcoin advertising. Yeah, you don't have to, you don't, you don't have to abide by that. Buy your Bitcoin stickers, put them up everywhere, especially college campuses. I'm telling you, like on on the like go find go find the highest trafficked area of the local university or college in your town and put Bitcoin stickers up on the light post like by the bike racks, which is next to the library usually. Find where the food court is. And then watch it and watch what direction like the majority of the people go. Find that path and put up Bitcoin stickers on the lamppost right about eye height. Okay, not down low, not way up high, right about the height of a normal height person's eyeballs are. Put it right there in full view and then walk away. Just like smack it up there and keep on walking. Do that everywhere right? Not just college campuses, malls, heavily trafficked strip malls, advertise for Bitcoin, 
yes, you're going to be doing it for free. Actually, you're going to be doing it at a loss because people are going to want you to buy those stickers. If somebody does is producing stickers out there that want to be like, a you know, I don't know, a loss leader, offer your stickers up for free. I will, I will, I will, you know, give you an address, a PO box that you can send them to and, um, put them up, advertise for Bitcoin, do the stuff, do all the things telling you, man. Hey, look, it is getting late. It's, uh, we are now right at one hour in. So I'm going to go ahead and cut this one here. Wish you a good Friday. Also, please uh, like, subscribe, share the show. It really helps. A five-star review on Apple iTunes is also very helpful. I would really appreciate it. Saw lots of traction with the untapped growth episode that I released yesterday. I'd like to keep that going on. I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.